Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you as always for tuning in. Today is Best Served Podcast 327. We're going to lay down an ally's guide. The reality of restaurant trauma, such a foundational, unfortunately foundational conversation that is systemic in our industry. We have not paid attention to it enough, which has led to so much trauma in our industry that there is there is a space now more than ever to talk about it and truly believe that if we talk about this, if we start to understand our complicity in it, our, our accountability in it, and the opportunity that we have to create a different type of industry, this is going to manifest the future of what we all believe in, which is hospitality. Yet, we have mostly reserved hospitality for the butts and seats, for the guests, and we've left so little for ourselves, so little for each other. And we're going to break that down a little bit today with uh, Andrea Murdoch of Four Directions. Very excited to have this conversation. Also, uh, very feel very vulnerable in this conversation because I haven't experienced this myself. And so often it's, it's my job to translate and try to understand and give context to what's happened, what's happening and what could happen in the industry. And so I'm really grateful to Andrea to be willing to speak about this. So no further ado, Andrea, please let's pop you in here and uh, good to see you. Hey, good to see you too, Jensen. All right. So as I mentioned, this is an important conversation. I, I am both feeling the, the pain and joy of this because whenever you and I talk, I'm, I'm both uh, inspired and remember how much, you know, I love and hate this industry all at the same time, right? It's such an emotional roller coaster. And I think that's what we're going to talk about. And I know for you, this is such a personal thing, just like it is with so many, yet so many have experienced so many different kinds of trauma in this industry. And we just brush it aside because it's all about, you know, that guest experience and not our own. So uh, thank you so much for being willing to have this conversation. Uh, before we get into it, I'd love to just give everybody who's watching, listening, a little bit of your background. So Andrea Murdoch, for Directions Cuisine, give us a little bit of kind of your trajectory in the industry. Uh, yeah. So I founded Four Directions Cuisine here in Denver, Colorado about four years ago now. Um, originally started off as solely a catering company and it's really grown uh, and evolved really into um, some really important personal chef work for folks who have very serious um, health issues to deal with to a lot more uh, advocacy work and community work um, for both, um, you know, our, our BIPOC community, but, um, you know, also our, our overall restaurant and food and beverage industry as well, you know. Yeah. Appreciate that. You are absolutely a leader that people need to be paying attention to. We know it at best served. We'll make sure and drop a comment to one of the most powerful articles that we've ever had written uh, came from you. 
and that'll be for sure in the comments because people need to read this. Uh, your voice as part of the natives, peoples, indigenous communities is really important as well. We're going to talk about that a lot more. You will see a lot more of Andrea Murdoch and everything that Best Serve does because you are absolutely a voice that we all need to give us something to keep us anchored in, in the reality of our our past failures and successes, the reality of what's happening today and the opportunity we have in the future, and also to include more voices, the entire reason that Best Served was started. And and so many voices are overlooked, if not completely suppressed. And I know that's an important thing for you. Uh, well, we can't get into all of it right now. Give us an understanding of how much it means for you to be uh, representing yourself and, and indigenous peoples. Um, it, it means so much to me. Because um, even when I was coming up in the industry for my first, you know, 5, 10, you know, 15, whatever years it's been now, gosh, it's been almost 20, wow. Um, you know, <laughs> I dated yourself. I know, right? It's like, oh, I just did that. Yeah. Um, and no, there was, uh, there was nobody who looked like me um, mm. up there. I, I remember watching Emerald Live, you know, uh, a, a Portuguese chef and... Uh, and yeah, there was certainly entertainment factor there. Uh, Food Network does a great job of that, but um, you didn't see a lot of women chefs in the spotlight. You didn't see um, minority chefs. You know, uh, you didn't see a whole lot of Thai chefs, Latino chefs. There was no mention anywhere for years of an indigenous chef. Um, yeah, it was the fine dining white guy club. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That was the supposed pinnacle that all of us were working towards, and yeah. which means a lot of times we were working against ourselves, our own backgrounds, our own culture, and uh, I think that's an important thing to highlight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's a big reason why it's important to me to get out there and um, you know have question and answer sessions with uh, uh, like Navajo Tech University, for example, there in Crown Point, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, haven't been able to fly and drive down there and do lectures yeah. like usual. Um, fingers crossed that's that's going to come back this year. But um, uh, I wanted to touch base with the students in some way, shape or form and having conversations with them and a majority of the students there now um, in the culinary arts and pastry arts programs are women and the vast majority of students overall are brown and particularly indigenous. And I appreciate that. Yeah, that's so, so great to see. So I want them to know that there's someone out there, you know, hustling and, and doing advocacy work and, uh, you know, doing all of the things and working all of the jobs and uh, that there there are possibilities. Mm. And is a badass chef and makes delicious food. Oh, by the way. <laughs> right. We can we can hold both. Sometimes they work together. Sometimes we have to be a contradiction. Yet that's the reality of humanity and our, our own experiences. And the more that we can create and hold space for that, I think is a valuable thing. So I, I appreciate that. And I know we're going to talk about the students a little bit more as we navigate this conversation. Uh, trauma. It sounds so scary in restaurants because we are all about putting on a show. We are putting on that facade. We are making sure that the guest always has that amazing experience. All the tropes of leave your shit at the door, smile as part of your uniform. You know, there's strength in the fact that we are able to put so much of ourselves out there so that those guests do have such a great experience, yet it leaves nothing for ourselves. And the amount of self-doubt, lack of self-worth, self-abuse, and then 
prolific abuse across just the brigade system and the way that we're organized and thinking that getting a plate thrown in your head is a badge of honor. These are the things that we've perpetuated. And it now, more than ever, we're, we're all calling bullshit on it. And it's time to do something different. And so you decided this was a good time for you to kind of address some of your past traumas as somebody who's trying to create an opportunity for future generations and for allies. So trauma, unpack that a little bit. When you're thinking about reflecting on your own trauma kind of where do you go what's what's top of mind for you what do we need to be thinking about that we usually are trying to suppress yeah i mean trauma comes in all shapes and forms it really does you know it's um you know it's not just the the big ones that you know everybody talks about or or shows down in most instances um or the thing that gets media attention mm -hmm. um there are there are nuances to trauma for sure um, it doesn't always have to be an over-the-top event. It can be a lot of little things that build up over time or just that exact one thing that is, you know, that particular trigger or trouble spot for you as, you know, a human being. What, you know, um, I think one of the, the most impactful things that's happened in my career was um, I had already been diagnosed with PTSD from my first marriage. And... Uh, I was working for Nordstrom at the time, uh, down in, uh, oh, was, what's that mall down south? Cherry Creek Mall? No, no, way farther south. Oh, I don't know. M mall um, X? Doesn't matter, right? Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. They all, look the, they all look the same. They do. They do, yeah. by design, too. Yeah, they um, all have a Wetzel's Pretzels or something in the food cart. We know, <laughs> we know of what you speak. Yeah, okay. Yes, yes. Park Meadows Mall, that's the one. Um, and, uh, we, we got a new executive chef and, uh, seemed like a really, really cool guy, really fun guy to work with. Um, a very expressive guy, which didn't, you know, bother me until his expressions became physical, you know, like a, a hand on my shoulder, mm. uh, which was triggering at the time because I had been assaulted on a first date. Um, and the thing that really set me over the top was, uh, you know, how we say behind, uh, in a kitchen, just like, Hey, don't look around. Um, cause I'm, I'm right behind you. I've got a hot yep. pot. I've got a knife. I got whatever. Um, he would say behind, but then he'd pat my hips mm. at the same time. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just like, nope, not okay. Um, and I even disclosed that I had PTSD and, uh, he was, you know, really kind and understanding and, uh, even said that he, uh, he and his wife did some volunteer work for, uh, like a support line. Um, but then the behavior continued and I didn't understand why it was continuing because I was very clear uh, with my boundaries. Broke them repeatedly. I was constantly triggered at work. I went to my uh, HR office and it was, a, it was a matter of a conversation. Let's have a conversation together, kind of like a mediation sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And that happened two or three times the behavior kept going, kept going. And it was always an answer of let's, well, let's have a conversation about it. Let's work it out. Uh, and at some point you have to recognize that if the conversation isn't stopping the behavior, yeah, that's, you know, if I don't feel safe at work, then that's an issue. And that's your job as an employer to protect everyone. You have to create that, that safe environment, both, uh, emotional safety, psychological safety, right? Physical safety. Yeah, that's, it's interesting because 
we see that kind of thing where I mentioned at the onset, like we have to start to talk about this. The reality is recognizing and, and speaking on it is only, it doesn't live in a vacuum and has to have action behind it and accountability behind it. And, you know, the, the days of, you know, pats on the butt because, you know, I'm walking behind you or, you know, the sexual innuendo that is just rife in our industry. We have to understand that, that, it is having a adverse and diverse impact on people and your experience of that can't be somebody else's experience of that. Isn't that hospitality? Like Andrea, we're in the business of like understanding what's going to create a memorable moment and experience for somebody. Like we're good at doing that in the restaurant, the dining room on the plate. And how do we deploy that against what's happening when you're talking about that? And the fact that they're minimizing your trauma through this, like, oh, let's talk about it. Eventually, you're like, no, let's do something about it. We've talked about it enough. I mean, how how do we reconcile that? What do we what do we need to do? Teach teach us a little bit, because I don't I don't have the answer to it. I just know we can't we can't allow that to happen anymore. Yeah, um, uh, unfortunately, it's a it's a lengthier process than anybody really wants because it really um, yeah. it's about it's about changing. A, a structure that has existed for so long. It's about changing a system, this kitchen brigade system that has been uh, male dominated for so long and is still male dominated, whether, mm-hmm. you know, the the physical number of men in the industry outdoes the, the physical number of women in the industry or vice versa, it's still male dominated regardless of what right. the actual, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Right. So you, you're saying even though uh, that even though half of quote unquote people in the industry are are women, then the manager of that group of typically front of house women is a man. And then there may be two or three cooks in the kitchen that are women, but the executive chef or chef owner is still a man. So we're still perpetuating a patriarchy, even though we're saying, look, half of our industry is, is women. Yet are, are they in a position of authority? Are they in a position of value that we're actually valuing input and allowing everybody to be at the table? Or is it a subjugation and we're using the fact that we're have X number of people as somehow proof that we're an inclusive industry that that's, that's been exposed. So the, I'm I'm interested in in the conversation piece a little bit more because uh, it's a very uncomfortable topic. Uh, even talking about it in any platform, let alone between the people that are actually engaged in uh, that dispute, that interaction. How did the conversation happen for you? What was your expectation? What needed to happen? Was there, were you expecting write-ups? Were you expecting this person to be reprimanded, fired, and you weren't getting anything or you weren't getting the right feedback or action that you needed? Give me an idea there because I want to, try and bring value to people that are having had or about to have that conversation and don't know what steps to take to do the right thing. Right. Um, so I didn't necessarily have consequential expectations. Okay. Um, I didn't necessarily feel like he should be fired. Um, but I did expect something more than let's have a conversation about what's going on two or three times. Um, that they I understood think- the gravity of the impact it had on you, that it wasn't just let's have a quick six minute conversation between, you know, lunch service and dinner service and call it good. Right. 
Right. Mm -hmm. Or come in 30 minutes before your shift and let's have a quick conversation uh, before you have to work with this individual. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Right. <laughs> Let me come in on my own time to deal with an issue that clearly is an issue that's systemic and not being addressed for the business. And now I have to take both financial, physical and emotional labor towards that. And this is you helping and protecting me as an employee. Oh, they yeah. let me clock in. Well, at least that's something. All right. right? Uh, I mean, right? let's, let's not pat them on the back too much, but at least that's something. Cause a lot of times that conversation doesn't happen like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think when you're that big of a corporation, you at the bare minimum have to do things like that, but um, apparently you still don't have to uh, address yeah. the larger issue. And uh, cause then you feel like they're just protecting their ass, right? Pretty much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, well, we can at least sit here and document that conversations were had. Yeah. You know, um, no expectation of, of a positive outcome for for you. Yeah. Uh, basically, I was, uh, I think the first time or two, it was just like a one-on-one -on -one with uh, HR or, or with my boss, you know, the three of us. Um, and then the last time that I had to sit down with them, it was uh, a conversation between my general manager, who is a woman, by the way, and uh, this, this chef and myself. And they didn't realize what they did, but the seat that they gave me literally put me in the corner. You mean physically at the table, you were physically at the table, the seat that they oh, gave me put me in a physical corner and the two of them were on the outside with access to two doors. And I was literally in a corner. I would have had to go through one of the two of them. Yeah. So they, they literally cornered you to, to try and again, put, yep. put leverage over you. The fact that, they were in charge, not you. You were going to be compliant in one way or another. Uh, right. And, and of course, I can't speak to the intention, but but sure, that sure. is at the very least what, what happened. Yes. I was literally sitting in the corner seat. Um, and I, I think the thing that, that bothered me and also, well, one of the things that bothered me and also was the final straw for me um, was that conversation between the three of us. Not once did the chef... Um, apologize or or it uh recognize how his actions even if his intentions were one thing what his actions were actually doing in reality um he just kept coming up with excuses and saying yeah. well you right. know hey i'm i'm italian i'm from a big family you know we're we're super uh uh super interactive with one another and i i understand that but that's your family life this is your yeah. professional life yeah you don't put your hands on me if I don't want you to put your hands on me. Oh, and and, and using your position of authority as an additional layer of excuses and, and feeling like justified maybe is the right word in that because yeah. of the dynamic of the subservient nature of the relationship that is getting exposed again and again with that brigade system. Like, they they don't have any more rights than you do because they're your quote unquote boss. That's just not the reality. And that's something that I think all industries and all businesses are realizing that that is no longer okay. And I think restaurants have a great opportunity to, to be a meritocracy because you learn so much from the bottom up, you know, cause mm -hmm. we all came from the bottom up. And so the fact that now we try to subjugate people because we're no longer in that lower position, huge vulnerability. Yeah. All right. 
Anything else that you could take away from that? This is, and again, I'm so grateful that you're sharing this. And I know so many people are going to listen to this, watch this and, and recognize that they've been through the same thing and they just, you know, they just walked away like, and, and then they were judged for being not as committed or not as motivated or dedicated because they no called, no showed. And now they're, they're looked at as a bad egg yet. They wow. had to leave and, and separate themselves and, you know, like what, what else can we learn from, from your experience uh, in this situation, both from the individual and from the responsibility and accountability from the business? Yeah. So speaking to, um, you know, that need to get out of an unsafe situation and maybe someone chooses to uh, no call, no show. And then, you know, they have that particular stigma, um, especially if they're going to put that particular um, job on their resume for the next yeah. one. Yep. I, um, I am a big believer in reclaiming your power, holding on to your power, how whatever it is that you want to call it. Um, I have never left a job on bad terms. So even though I was in an unsafe uh, situation and no one at that company seemed to be taking it seriously enough, I started pounding the pavement. I went in inter on interviews. I staged um, in my spare time, as limited as it was. And I found myself a new job. As soon as I found the pay that I needed, the, um, uh, the experience that I needed, I put in my two weeks notice and I worked my entire two weeks notice. I didn't put in my notice and then use all my vacation. I did everything as you would expect from a professional, regardless of being in, in an unsafe situation. And that was something that I had control over, even though I clearly didn't have control over, um, you know, the chef putting his hands on me or not. And if HR was gonna do more, if the company was gonna do more, why didn't my female general manager and female assistant general manager do more? So at the end of the day, all I had was myself. I got myself out of it. Mm -hmm. I made sure that my bills were covered and I made sure that I maintained a, a specific professional status in my industry because I didn't just walk out. Not everybody can do that. Yeah. That's the, the thing that I hear from you most is you have to understand your need and make sure that you're taking care of your need, understanding your value and worth and not letting anybody for any reason ever take that away from you. And to speak to the employers for just a moment, that is the expectation any business of any employer, any employee relationship is that they feel safe and secure, first of all. And if you want to talk about the micro of, you know, productivity and and pay and wages and benefits and all the costs that are associated with employees, no person can ever be their most true and let's say productive self if they constantly are doubted, are doubting themselves, are doubting their own safety in this, you only have so much bandwidth to be able to focus on anything. If you're focusing on the fact that you have to reconcile every moment of work, every like slight touch on the shoulder with all of the trauma that you've gone through, who gives a shit about that piece of salmon? Nobody is going to care about your piece of salmon. And that is not that individual's fault. That is you not understanding the business you're actually in, the responsibility that you have. So I hope that more businesses start to pay attention to that. And uh, Andrea, this is first step. So I'm grateful for that. I know advocacy is, is so important to you. 
I know that you are trying to usher in future generations for this industry as a whole, for for women, BIPOC, indigenous communities as well. And so you mentioned uh, the Navajo University and the work that you're doing there. I'm very interested now what the conversation is. You've become more of a speaker, somebody who's out there telling their story and giving the context so people feel it and know that they're not alone, yet also allowing for the opportunity in the space that there are paths forward. And I would love to hear from you kind of how you're having that conversation. What thoughts are you putting out there into the, into the ecosystem that we can learn from? Um, I, I reached out to one of the chef instructors at Navajo Tech University um, because I wanted to be able to touch base with them even during the pandemic. Mm. Um, you know, you just, we've heard so many stories about, um, you know, the underserved communities having um, a particularly difficult time uh, with the pandemic, just the level of isolation or the lack yes. of access um, to certain services, mental health, physical health, you know, you name it. And, um, you know, as chefs, we're creatives, whether we are, you know, marketing our business or um, coming up with new dishes, research and development, um, you know, balancing that business account. At the end of the day, we're such huge creatives and to not have, you know, the events that we normally do, the, the lectures and demos, the live lectures and demos that I do for NTU um, annually, I just wanted to reach out and touch base with them. And, and they were really excited that I had. And so we set up a little Zoom uh, question and answer between myself and the students. Good. And man, they, I mean, I gave them free reign. Um, I said, ask whatever you want and I will you know, do my best. Like it can be industry, it can be personal, it can be cultural, like whatever. And they had some really fantastic questions. They were not shy. Um, you know, I did have a young woman ask um, uh, how, uh, how I would give advice to young women, especially young brown women in the industry. Um, you know, advice about uh, being in potentially unsafe or obviously unsafe situations. Um, and so I, I did share the story that I just shared with you all. And, um, and, and I also shared how I, how I handled the situation. And you, I could tell that it resonated with everyone sitting there. And um, it's, it's just so telling to know how many people have experienced these you know, little traumas, big traumas, yes. uh, long lasting traumas, um, any trauma whatsoever, you know, in the industry. And you could, it was, it didn't surprise me, but it also hurt to see right. it register on pretty much every single face. And I mean, there were a good 30 students or more sitting out there, um, you know, and, and I, and I almost apologized, you know, I said, I don't have a roadmap. I don't have a, a manual for this, so to speak because every situation is different. Some people can have everything covered and walk off the job and they'll just scrap it from their resume and say, uh, I was helping out a family member for those three months or whatever it is. Um, and then there are other folks who are just like, no, 100% of the bills lie on me. I can't go without a paycheck. I can't be in between paychecks. This is just right. what I have to do, yeah. um, as was my situation. Um, but I also had that level of uh, just personal need to have that control and to put in my notice and work it. 
um, regardless of what was happening, as wrong as it was. Mm -hmm. And um, man, the follow-up question was from a young man, a, uh, a brown young man. And uh, it blew me away. Like it took me a second to answer and, you know, and respond uh, in a way that I felt was uh, appropriate because he blew me away. He, uh, he paused and he goes, um, Chef Andre, I have to have a question. As men in the kitchen, what can we do to be supportive and be allies to the women colleagues in the kitchen? And my jaw might have actually dropped. I was so, I was so proud and so what a happy. powerful question. I'm just like, oh my, I was not prepared for this. Okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you had to like roll up your sleeves for a moment. We, yeah, I did. I'm like, nobody has okay. ever asked you that question before. I, exactly. And, and so that's the other telling thing is that, you know, for 20 years in the industry, no one has asked me that question. Hmm. And that resonated as well. Um, so it was, oh, it was just such a good conversation, you know, and I just said, you know, if, if you guys are, are speaking out about injustices that you see, I said, that's another injustice, you know, um, it can be a matter of speaking up, you know, you hear one of your male colleagues do or say something that isn't okay. It's okay to speak up, you know, um, and there's a decent chance that if you speak up, one of your friends or, you know, other male allies in the kitchen is going to stand next to you and be like, yeah, yeah, he's right. That's, that's not okay. You know, and one by one, you have a group of people standing there saying, no, that's not okay. Whether it's, a, you know, a mixture of both men and women, women standing up for women, men standing up for women, women standing up for men. Yes. That's not really discussed. There are, I have seen young men abused and traumatized in this industry. Of course. Um, it doesn't just happen to women. Uh, it happens to us at a higher rate, of course. And you add in other uh, layers like being a brown woman or being a queer woman or, you know, any, any part of the LGBTQ and just all of these other layers. It just adds a bigger and bigger target to your back. And so if you start standing up and saying, hey, no, I'm not just going to stand by and say, well, this guy outranks me. I'm going to let him, you know, put his hands on, you know, on my colleague, man or woman. I'm not going to stand here and, and not say anything when he says profane things, you know, or things that are clearly bothering, you know, my colleague. It, it's okay to do that. And once that starts, you know, with just one, you start to see other people go, you know what? I feel the same way, but I wasn't comfortable standing up this one's comfortable standing up. I'm with, I'm, I'm with this guy. Uh, there, there is a psychological precedent called pluralistic ignorance that I think about a lot in this fact. And it, and it basically, anytime you see something adverse happening, the instinct of people is to look to somebody else in a group, in a public setting, uh, to say, is there an actual emergency happening here? And if you don't see other people react, you will not react. And there's all kinds of data around this and studies around this. And that's exactly what happens. We look and see an incident, but chef or the general manager in your case saw it. We saw them see it. They didn't do anything. Oh, well, I guess I'm not going to do something about it because there is such an innate fear in us as animals to make the wrong decision that if we stepped into a situation 
that being unsure is worse to us than not doing the right thing. And that is a very scary thing to think about. And that's what happens. Somebody sees that situation goes, it's not my, not my problem. Oh, it must not be that bad. Oh, maybe that's just how, how they interact. And we make all these excuses. That's what's happening. And the fact that anytime you see that, be that person to react in a way that protects a situation that you see. And if you're wrong and it wasn't that situation, to be willing to take the weight of looking looking foolish in that moment is worth it. It's absolutely worth it. So I'd love to see more people taking the the onus of doing, of, excuse me, of doing that, uh, just like you kind of laid out for us. So yeah, nobody's asked that. Uh, I can feel the profoundness of the several questions that you got in that situation. The fact that so many people felt that and were surprised by what you said because nobody's ever communicated that to them. Then that question, the fact that it was so profound, mm -hmm. yet also you'd never been asked it in 20 years with how many you know, potential allies that you could have had along the way yeah. that just decided to bury their head in the sand or just focus on the next plate and the next plate and the next plate and not worry about anything else. So whew, this is powerful stuff here. Uh, where do... What, ha what happens next? What would you like to see more individuals, more groups, more organizations, more restaurants uh, doing that you think would help facilitate the next good opportunity to make the right decision for us? What can we do, Andrea? Um, it's it's going to take time. Um, but uh, employers just need to hold, hold their standards. You know, they need to create standards for an actual safe work environment, not we put it in our employee handbook that this is a safe work environment. Like it, it's it's the old adage, talk is cheap. Yeah. You can talk about it all day long, but what are you actually doing to make your restaurant, your hotel, your whatever place of business it is, whether it's food and beverage or not, what are you doing to make your place of business a safe place for everyone across the board. Wow. And that includes the big stuff and it includes the, the unconscious bias. It includes microaggressions. It includes all of it so that people can show up and be able to be the best of themselves because they feel like that is what's allowed. That's what's expected. That's what the space uh, is created for. That's a business's responsibility. Create safe space for people to, thrive do that yeah. you're in the wrong business or you shouldn't have a business full yeah. out like i think that's important for us to understand so okay talk is cheap yet this talk was amazing <laughs> and so grateful for it so grateful for all the work that we're going to do together uh because this is a, a great conversation for anybody who does want to be an ally anybody who does want to build something new something different something that is equitable and profitable and sustainable for everybody that commits themselves to feeding their community. This is foundational, fundamental to what we do, what Andrea is so committed to as well. And we need more voices in that. And Andrea, you're going to be one of those voices that, that we need if we have any chance of moving forward. So thank you so much for, for sharing with us today. Definitely. Thanks for having me on. All right, Andrea, we're going to let you go. Appreciate you so much. We'll talk again soon, okay? Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right, cheers. All right, everyone. Powerful, profound conversation. Uh, I appreciate 
the gravity of what is has happened, what is happening, and what needs to happen for us to create that that industry that we all can believe in, that isn't having that high incidence of physical trauma, of sexual abuse, of mental health issues, of addiction, of suicide that we have in this industry. This is where it starts. It has to start with us understanding our own complicity, understanding our values and how we create hospitality for ourselves, for each other, for our businesses, for our community, so that the guest can have a hospitable, amazing, memorable experience that is the culmination of all of our hospitality, not us just putting on the facade and just putting on a show. That's it. I appreciate you all. Once again, this was Best Served Podcast 327, an allies guide, the reality of restaurant trauma with Andrea Murdoch of Four Directions Cuisine. Workplace is worth working. You know how important that is to me and to Best Served and uh, to all of us. We need to build something better so that we have future generations that have an amazing industry to be a part of that's filled with, with food and family and fun, but it has to start with building safe workplaces. It has to start with us investing in our most valuable asset, our people. And Andrea is a voice championing that. So I'm grateful. That's it. I'm babbling. I, I appreciate you all. I hope all of you are having a safe day, having a safe work environment. Uh, if you are or aren't, please reach out to us anytime. We are committed to having these type of conversations and having everybody be a part of it. That's it. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.